Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 67th episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. You didn't come here to see me today. You can. <laughs> Meet the woman of the hour. She's Botan from Yu Yu Hakusho, Chi-Chi from Dragon Ball Z franchise, Bellamere from One Piece, just to name a few. She's the legendary actress that has entertained millions of fans all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Cynthia Cran. Cynthia, how are we doing today? I'm just so thrilled that anyone wants to talk to me. I'm <laughs> thrilled and happy and so grateful. Thank you. I, I was telling you earlier, before we kind of went live, that you were part of the esteemed group of guests that we've had on this show that when I reached out to, I thought there is no way I was ever going to hear back from you. I've been a fan of yours ever since I was a wee lad. So it was one of those situations mm-hmm. where like, I'm a swing for the fences, but I'm not going to get upset if I don't hear back because I get it. Then, of course, I heard back one day, I was actually, this is a bit TMI, but I was at work, I was taking the trash out of my office out, and uh, <laughs> I checked my phone because I buzzed, and I got a message from you, mid-hurling uh, the bag of trash. <laughs> I, mi- I missed the dumpster completely, and it was like, oh my gosh. But anyway, and, it, and I gotta say, it's so good to be back, guys. Now, people that watch this show, or listen to it on Spotify, or watch it on YouTube later, you guys won't have noticed a difference at all. But uh, fans of the show that watch this live every week, you'll notice that we had a month hiatus because uh, through the month of April, because at the end of April and the beginning of May, we did virtual VisionCon, which went very well. For those of you who tuned in, thank you guys so much. We had a lot of fun. But I got to be honest, I love being back here. You know, this show is my baby. And so I love being able to host it. And, you know, if any of the boards of directors of VisionCon are watching right now, thank you as always. But uh, Cynthia, let's go ahead and get started. So like I mentioned earlier in the intro, you voiced hundreds of characters throughout the years. We're not going to get to all of them, but we're going to get to three in particular. But first, I wanted to start us out with how we got here. Was show business always the plan, Cynthia? Or did something happen later on in life that kind of brought us to where we are today? Well, I was brought up going to musical, like, you know, musicals with my grandmother and my hands would break out in a sweat because I wanted to be just in the chorus. And then I go to, you know, I did some drama in high school and in college I had to audition to take theater classes. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I loved it so much. I did monologues in my dorm room for fun. And I thought, well, maybe I should do something. So after college, I did community theater I graduated in 1991. By 1993, I had an agent. Dallas is a big commercial market, and it's not glamorous, but, you know, to get paid to do what you like is great. And then um, there was a way back when, I don't know if people know about this, a cable access show called the Bobby Jack Pat Comedy Show Show. And it was making fun of bad infomercials, bad TV, bad (laughs) like soap operas, everything bad. And it was hysterical. And I loved it, did that for free. Um, Meanwhile, I'm doing theater for free, commercials, independent films. um, And then one of my friends that worked there worked for our local um, pop culture uh, newspaper called the Dallas Observer. And he called me, he goes, you need to go audition for this cartoon. So this was 1999 Um, and I was like, okay, but he knew me well enough to know. I was like, okay. My (laughs) thought was I have no experience in that. Uh, It wasn't that I didn't get it through my age and I just thought I don't have a chance in hell. So he called me three times. So finally I called and I heard Chris Sabat's voice on the outgoing machine. It was like, is this a re- like is this for real because who has that voice and I made an appointment and I went in and so at that point um Funimation had just gotten the rights from Ocean Productions and there were like 55 episodes into Dragon Ball Z and they had us voice mat well every I've learned on panels this is the thing at cons you learn on panels how everyone else got into it um, everyone else has their story. My story was they put me in a booth and they showed me every female character 
gave me a side to read and I was supposed to try to voice match the Canadian actors. And the funniest thing about Chi Chi is none of her stuff was the screaming, yelling, angry stuff she's known for. It was all like, hmm, boys will be boys, you know, but like, how did they know I was going to be able to go, Wah! I mean, I don't know, because none of it was that. So when I auditioned, I pretended to performance and I leave with no expectations. But on my 30th birthday, I played yes, an answering machine because we didn't have voicemail. And it was like, this is Chris Abbott from Funimation. You've been cast as a role as Chi Chi. And I literally went running around my, I didn't even know what anime was. I did not know what Dragon Ball Z was, but I couldn't believe it got cast. I was running around screaming. And, and then, so Chi Chi's not in every episode, obviously, but normally when you're cast in a project, you hear back very quickly on when you're needed and la la la. So like every month for three months, I call them and go, did I make up that I got cast as this role? And <laughs> finally he was like, no, 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 no. Your character didn't come on for a while. So that is how I got into this you know, medium, which became, it, it actually satisfied my biggest goal. My goal was not, I want to go to LA and be famous. Rich would be great. That's not happening. But my specific random goal was I want to act professionally and I want to matter to people who care. And I remember like I would be jogging back when I used to work out and be like, <laughs> okay, you know, I'm going to work professionally and I want people to care about what I do. And this thing called anime that I didn't even know existed fulfilled that goal specifically. But it was several years into Dragon Ball Z before I even, I mean, it was not mainstream for a while. So I'd be like, well, picture, you know, Speed Racer, you know, I don't know. It's this thing I do. I dub it in English. And I was one of just a handful of characters and female characters. So I got a nice foot in the door and I would always thank my friend when they get a new role and say, thank you. If it weren't for you, I would never have done this. And it became a thing. So very grateful. And what a thing it's become. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk about three characters in particular. The first one being guys, this is, it is regarded as one of the greatest classic animes and it has helped pave the way. All three of these characters are part of such impactful animes, but this first one, I am very excited to talk about. This character is one of my personal favorite characters of all time. I wanna talk about, to start us off, let's talk about Botan. So Aww. before we dive a little deeper into Botan, give us a brief- I love her. Oh my God, she's the best. Give us a brief overview of the character, maybe how you got the part, any fun anecdotes involved in getting or playing the part, anything at all. Okay. Well, that was the second project I worked on. And I don't know if they had other shows going on. That's the second one I knew about. And um, I don't know if you or anyone else in this age bracket has seen Steven Spielberg's film Always. I can't that say that. Pardon? I can't say that I have. Well, I recommend it. Um, it's not space age, but like it, it involves um, men and women that that kill fires with airplanes in the burning seasons. And um, Richard Dreyfus played one of the lead characters and he is a hero in he saves someone's life and then his plane crashes and he does not know he's dead. And so he's like walking through the forest and it's all burnt. And then he comes upon this green oasis and there's this beautiful woman there. It was Audrey Hepburn's last um, film. Oh, wow. And she played a character called Hap who was kind of like Botan, which is, she was my inspiration. So, you know, he's like, well, I got out of that one. I'm either dead or I'm dreaming. And she's like, well, you're not dreaming. And she gives him a haircut and, you know, sends him on his way and says, your job now is to guide another person 
through their experience. And um, that's kind of where I, I wasn't trying to do a British accent, but she was very, very perky and happy and just like, her name was Hap. It was just like, well, you know, you know, he had a woman he was in love with and, you know, he's got to let that go. And his job is to guide this person who, of course, falls in love with his ex-girlfriend, his late girlfriend, whatever. And, but it was such a sweet story. And so when I saw that, I thought of her and that was my inspiration. Like, you know, I didn't think of it as a grim reaper. I thought of it as I'm your guide. Yeah. I'm your happy guide. That's going to tell you what to do in the afterlife before you move on. And I, I wanted it so badly. And I was so grateful when I was cast. Well, so it's a great way to look at it, actually. Botan's not so much a grim reaper as she more of a, a spirit fairer of sorts. And that is what I really think everyone listening, Steven Spielberg's movie in the late 80s called Always. It has John Goodman, Holly Hunter, Audrey Hepburn, Richard Dreyfus. You can't go wrong. And if you like Yu Yu show, you would like this movie. Especially with that all-star cast, too. Yeah. Well, and like Yu Yu Hakusho, like I kind of mentioned, is regarded as one of the most beloved animes of all time, both for its action and its fantastic characters. So when you found out you were playing one of the show's central characters, did you have any idea at the time that the show would become as popular as it is even today? No, I did not know. Like when I auditioned, like when you audition, you don't know how big the parts are. And a lot of times, um, they'll have everyone read for lead characters, which may have already been cast with just trying to hear you and then place you in other things. So I did not know. I just knew that I loved Aubrey Hepburn's Hap and it seemed like a really fun character. I had no idea anything about the show. Like I did not know Dragon Ball Z was a big deal when I did that in the first couple of years. I didn't know. I just thought, what a great, fun character. I sure would love to do that. and was thrilled to get it. And then I was like, you know, I mean, Chi Chi's cool, but she's not the hottest chick. So, <laughs> I mean, Botan's hot. I'd be like, dang, I like how, look, look at that outfit. Look at that. And she was so fun. It, it takes a long time. When you first get cast, you don't know much. You literally show up in the booth and they cue your lines and show it back then they did not show us the japanese version wow. now they show us let's watch it in japanese so you can get an idea of the facial expressions and the tone of voice they didn't do that so i had no idea how central she was um there was a lot i didn't know about her until we got into it i'm like she's a little weird and i even like that more and um <laughs> It, 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 you know, I can't choose between Chi Chi and Botan. I, Chi Chi got me in the door. Mm -hmm. Botan's more lovable. Um, and I have found, and I love all the fans that love anime, but it seems like the Yu Yu Hakusho fans are so sweet. I'm not saying that other ones aren't, but there seems a lot of argumentary, you know, stuff with Dragon Ball Z and you know, I don't know. I just was so grateful when I found this site and was like, these people love us. They really love us. And I love the show. And I was sad when it was over. And um, I know there's two OVAs we're still supposed to do. I've heard that for four years and I think it will happen. But Heck yeah. um, yes, one of my all time favorites. Well, I mean, I'm going to back you up there on uh, the Yu Yu Hakusho thing because Guys, you know I love you, but the Dragon Ball fans specifically, you're a passionate bunch. I'll say that about passionate, you. Passionate, and I but love you for loving the show. Yes, but if I hear you compare one more character to Goku, I'm going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's talk about some Dragon Ball. Okay. So we mentioned this character in a bit, uh, kind of throughout Botan's story, but I want to talk about specifically Goku's better half. Let's talk about the indomitable. Chi Chi. So like we did with Botan. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we did about with Botan, just give us a brief yeah. overview of the character, maybe any fun anecdotes involved with getting or playing the part, anything at all. 
Um, well, like I said, when I auditioned for it, there was none of that. You didn't see that face. You didn't hear the anger. It was just like, oh, my baby, or oh, men will be men. And um, it was Christopher Sabat who said, Chi Chi is rough. Like, yeah, she comes from like, you know, she's a princess, but she's like a white trash princess. <laughs> and because we didn't go in order, I did not know about Dragon Ball and how she came to be and that she was a fighter. I did not know that. Um, oh, I love seeing that. All I knew was she's a mom and a wife and she worries constantly. I did not know she was a fighter for years because she's always at home worrying. And so I was able to tap into the, ah, uh, you know, like if, if my husband's late coming home, I'm not thinking he's not doing something bad. I'm like, he's dead on the road. <laughs> ah, I need to hear back. I'm not a mom in real life, but if I were, I can't imagine my son going off to fight. So, um, I can identify with the fact that she's passionate about wanting people to be safe. And I get that. I think it's kind of funny that she is a little materialistic and wants to be rich. Um, I don't care about being rich, but I do want to pay my bills. And oh my, look at that. See, it was after Dragon Ball Z that I did Dragon Ball and got to play teenage Gigi where she's fighting. I had no idea what her past was. And so it took years to get into it and to, to really put it together. Like, why don't we have a car? <laughs> oh my God, everyone else has a car. This is exhausting. You know, you're going out to God knows where you're going to take my son. And I really just want him to get a good education and have a good job. And I can understand that, but I do think there's a double standard. I have a thing about people that want to marry actors or singers or artists of any kind and then change them. Mm. I don't think it's cool to marry a, a musician and then go, you need to get a day job and give me a white picket fence because oh, I am an actress. And yes, I do have a day job as an apartment locator, but if my husband was like, I don't want you acting and going to conventions. I, I would be horrified. And so bring the smackdown. The thing I don't like about her is that she knew what she married and she wants to change him. Yeah. But at the same time, I get that she doesn't want her sons and husband to die. So I'm able to tap into her passion. And what I love about her is whatever it is, giggly, hysterical, happy, worried. It's, 500% and it can happen in one paragraph. And so for me, that's the challenge in front of it. Well, I guess to be fair, it's kind of between a rock and a hard place. Cause on one hand, she did know what she was signing up with. I mean, you know, Goku is pretty, pretty, uh, he's not good yeah. at hiding things. So, you know, what you see is usually what you get. But I guess on the other hand, uh, on that note, he's not exactly uh, the most traditional and, um, uh, understanding husband either to be fair no she picked him out demanded they got married and now wants to change him and 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 that's not cool that's <laughs> not cool but then i what i can relate to when i'm doing the lines is that he you know blows up the house unintentionally <laughs> and then he's going to take their sons out and she's just like you know now that she's not fighting again double standard mm. she wants him to have a nice upstanding quiet life with security and so it's just you know that's what i can tap into but it's just recently i found out that well i don't know if it's true or not there's a rumor that the writer never liked her really that is the rumor when if you know when i go to conventions i learn a lot from my fans and like well he never liked her and i'm like well why did he write her that way yeah but like yeah it, this was in his hands i would love it if she was out fighting i would love for, you know um i'm flattered that people even care about her because she's in so few episodes she's home worrying and nagging and la 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 and i would love to be fighting but i just if that rumor is true, I'm like, why would you write a character you don't like? 
I don't even know if she's going to be in the upcoming. I don't know if she's in the upcoming mangas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's in the movie. I don't know. But one of my side note favorite characters is Mrs. Briefs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I wish she was in more stuff because I love voicing hers because she's so ditzy and she's just like you know, oh you're so handsome. And, you know, I would call her a gold digger, but she loves her husband. And she's like, I didn't have a good stepmother. She's a good stepmother. And I think she's golden. And I love Mrs. Briefs. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed for more Mrs. Briefs, guys. I'm not going to hold my breath, but I wish she was in more because she cracks me up. Would you like a snack? You're so handsome. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's fun. Got to keep the flame alive. That's right. Alrighty, guys. Well, we're approaching the halfway point, so I did want to reiterate something. Now, fans of the show know that you guys are able to both put your viewers' comments and questions in the live chat or message VisionCon directly, but for new people in the show that are just tuning in, first off, welcome. But I just want to reiterate that that is an option that you're available to, either message VisionCon directly, your viewers' comments and questions, or put them in the live chat, and then at the very end, we'll get to them. But okay. with that, I want to go to our last character. Now, this character is part of One Piece, one of the most beloved and impactful shonen animes of all time. And this character was the first instance. Now, I recently got into it because it is my girlfriend's favorite show. So, oh. so this character's arc was the first one that absolutely broke my heart. This character is, of course, known as the one, the only, Bellamere. Now, like we, uh, like we did for the previous two, just give us a brief overview of the character, maybe fun anecdotes involved in getting the part or playing the part, anything at all. Well, I did not audition for that. Sometimes, you know, in Funimation, they just think you can do it and they cast you and you have no idea what's going on. You need to show up. <laughs> They're like, you're Bellamere. She's kind of like a big sister adoptive mom to this character. And she's tough. And so, I mean, they did, it's so, anime is so different than any other acting. Usually, like in plays, you've got months to rehearse. In any other medium of it, you can do your research and prepare. And in, in voice dubbing, you literally show up. They say, here's a picture of your character. Here's what's happening in the scene. Go. And so all I knew was protect my, you know, my adopted daughters. And so I loved her. I loved her. I did not know. I didn't because she comes in much later. I did not know she was anything important. I didn't know that. I know I went in a few times and recorded her. I thought she was cool. She's got a weird ass wallet, but that's okay. <laughs> She cares. Uh, she's tough. That's fun. But um, I did not know anything about it. I didn't know anyone cared about her until I asked my fans, you know, if I were to get more prints done, what characters would you like? And they were like, Bellamere. And I was like, really? Yeah, I, I did not know that. And so that's what's so weird about it. You especially on shows that go for years, you don't know if you're just like a, you know, two episode side piece or if you're in an important arc. And I'm just, again, it's a happy accident that I'm so grateful for. Well, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but Bellamere had a rather short amount of time, you know, screen time rather in the series, but her impact on Nami and the emotions that were brought up by her noble sacrifice just resonated with millions of fans, myself included. And so, that means so much to me. And when someone says that, I'm like, oh, I had no idea. You don't know when you're saying those words if anyone's going to see it or care or know. And if you don't, I'm not saying I don't like anime. I watch it when I can, but I'm 52 years old with five jobs. So... I can't keep up with all of it. I had no idea that people cared about her. And that meant so much to me. Like one of my favorite characters is Mitzi on Shin Shin because that show was so naughty. And, and I did so much of that, that it was hysterical. I learned more than I should have about 
bad things. <laughs> and the funny part about that is there would be a joke and I wouldn't understand it. And here I am a middle-aged lady asking Zach, the director, who's now a producer, like 15 years younger than me. I'm like, I don't get why that's funny. What's a glory hole? <laughs> why would I know that? I'm a yeah, middle-aged okay. chick. So, I mean, to me, Mitzi's one of my top, top, top favorites because I got to say things that I couldn't believe I got to say and laugh, but I love that people love Bellamere and I'm, and I'm so honored to voice that. I just, it's just interesting. Um, the talent coordinator says, can you be at Funimation at two o'clock in studio B with Mike? And you're like, okay. And you show up and you're like, you're a Bellamere. And then they, you know record you and they don't bother to say where you are in the arc or what the importance of your character is and unless of course you're a lead so to find out many years later that she was so appreciated was huge and i'm so grateful oh my god and, and your emotional delivery is really what sealed the deal but so kind of with kind of rolling with that when playing like any character not just bellamere when they're going through a hard time or any like intense emotions is it hard not to get swept up in those emotions while playing them or if it is hard to not get it does it actually help the help you get in the role better by getting swept up in these emotions here's the irony i am my family was not touchy-feely um i have no complaints about my family life but we're not like oh so I was really uncomfortable doing serious emotional scenes. And I didn't know if when I did that, people would buy it. Like I did not know that I delivered. I, I felt very uncomfortable, like being vulnerable and emotional for me as an actress is one of my weaker spots that I need a lot more work on. And um, because my natural thing is to be like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So, to have you or anyone else say that means a lot to me because it's just not my natural. I would, and, and I probably need to study more of that and be like, oh, I got so swept up in it that, you know, um, it was a hard time. That would, I'm just being honest, that would be the better thing. But the reality is I just went through the motions hoping someone would buy it because one of the things, this is off topic, but I covered it in a post on Yu Yu Hakusho, when there were some, how shall I say it, clips that were put out two years ago um, with the Dragon Ball Z things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, my character led that and people thought I was making fun of incest. Oh my God. And I wasn't. I was uncomfortable being emotional and my character, Chi Chi's dreaming that Gohan is in danger. And so she's dreaming a nightmare and moaning his name. And my personal go-to is to make fun of myself. Sure. So when I said the line and it sounded ridiculous, I made fun of myself and they didn't use that clip. They used the clip of me making fun of myself, not me, with the original line going, oh my God, that sounds horrible and weird and oddly sexual and weird. Yeah. They just put it out of context and make it sound like I was being nasty and I wasn't. But that, my point of that is that's an example of me as an actress not feeling comfortable doing serious emotions. Sure. Well, I mean, and um, we weren't really allowed to talk about that because they wanted mm. to downplay it. Mm. And I can't speak for the other actors that may or may have not had their thing where you bomb each other to try to freak each other out yeah you know um and whatever they were doing but i was like i had no idea they kept that i didn't know they were reporting it um that's why i was just like you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna flub up my go-to is to like really flub up to make fun <laughs> of myself so yeah. again with that chi chi emotion was how i felt with bellamere which is uncomfortable being emotional but if people liked it and that makes them love Bellamere, that means all the world to me. And I'm very grateful. I can attest because like I mentioned, my, well, 
I mean, let me be clear. My girlfriend's favorite anime is One Piece by far. She got the tattoos, the merch, everything. So, you know, as a good boyfriend, I started to get into it as early as COVID. So fairly recently, and I fell in love with the show. But I will say, I am 25 going on 26. And when I got to Bellamere's Sacrifice, and for those of you who haven't gotten into One Piece, I won't go into specifics, but when that thing happens with Bellamere, you had me sobbing. Aww, yeah, 25, almost huge... 26 year old. Just crying my eyes out, so. That's a huge compliment, and I appreciate it because it's one of my most uncomfortable types of scenes to do. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, this next segment, we're going to kind of move away from the characters and go okay. more towards the job itself. Okay. So, and the, what I want you to keep in mind is a lot of people who either attend in-person VisionCon or watch virtual VisionCon or okay. watch VisionCon live come obviously for the amazing guests we have, one of which is sitting right before me. But a lot of them also come, we've realized, because they either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know where the, what they need to do next to kind of level up their game. So I want you to keep that in mind with these next two questions, the first of which revolves around rejection. Now, like I always say, guys, rejection is just a part of life no matter how you look at it. However, if I were to say there was ever an industry where rejection is most prevalent, it would definitely be your industry, which is the entertainment industry. So for the people watching at home that either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know what to do next, how would you advise them to handle rejection when it inevitably comes? Does it get any easier? Or if it doesn't, what are some tips that you'd like to give them for that they can use so it doesn't hurt quite as bad? No, no, that's a great question. So when I was in college, before I even knew I was for sure going to pursue acting as a career, I read The Business of Acting by Christian Slater's mother, who was oh. a casting director. And I also would take any workshop that would come through Dallas and casting directors. And what I learned was there are so many people that have to agree on each character. And you don't know if they're casting, or say it's a family, are they casting around the kids, the mom, the dad, who knows? Um, and you've got like five to eight people that have to decide that's the person we want for this role. So you might remind the director of his ex. You, you just may not look like the kid that they're casting around. So you cannot take it personally. And then, and that helped. I was like, okay, I get it. You know, I don't know what they're looking for. Um, you can't have a thin skin. So every audition I go to, I look at it as this is my performance and what I have learned from being on panels with other director, with other, like I am when I'm not, <laughs> my actor friends that are directors is that when they, they rarely audition anymore. I need to get a, a, I need to get a demo because so many people that direct don't know who I am or what I've done at Funimation. We have thousands of actors and there's many other studios, but um, I recently did an audition and they had several characters and Having been on a panel with directors, I've heard a lot of times the sides that you read for the characters that they're auditioning for have already been cast and they're just listening to see where else they could put you. And so they may not think of you, you might not, obviously maybe they cast that role or maybe they don't think of you for another role in the show, but they may think of you later down the line and go, that person was an excellent whatever. And so I, for me personally, um, don't look at it as rejection. I look at it as an opportunity to show maybe some range and to get out there. And if I get it, that's why I was so thrilled to get the roles I've gotten that, you know, one of the main ones I really, really, really wanted was Botan. That was one of the few that I was like, I really want this. <laughs> um, the rest, I just give it my best and hope something comes of it. And another thing, so people that want to get in the business, another thing I learned one of the best workshops I went to was a working actress from LA who came to Dallas, who said, have a day job that you love so that when you're in a dry spot or whatever, you still have your self-worth and money. For me, it's real estate, specifically apartment locating. And I mean, it's just a 
tough, weird business. Being your own commodity is a really weird place to be in. Um, so anything I get, I'm grateful for and happy that I love my other job. And, um, you know, you learn, you learn. It's a, it's an industry that you never quit learning in. And that's really cool. And I would also say, don't focus on being a voice actor. I was an actor. I did theater. I did commercials. I did, you know, um, public, what are the PSAs, public service announcement. I did independent films. I did, you know, there's so many things. I don't think you limit yourself, but first be an actor, take your acting classes, do, do theater. Most of the OGs at Funimation did theater and you make connections and then you help one another. And I, my friend, Wendy Powell, one of my best friends, uh, we did a play together. She's like, what's this animation? And they needed someone with a gravelly voice. And I was like, call Wendy. And you know, here she is many characters later, but best known for Envy on Full Metal Alchemist. Um, we always say, learn the craft of acting. Don't limit yourself only to voice acting and have another job that you love. It needs to have flexibility. So when you get called in, you can do it, but you just can't take it personally. Cause at the end of the day, there's so many factors involved that you can't control. And every time you audition, it's, it's another opportunity to learn and grow. And, you know, honestly, with all of that said, we actually nailed two birds, one stone. We did. My next question was, is there any general advice that you would give viewers? And you just knocked it out of the park with both. Take <laughs> acting classes, take improv. Oh my gosh, improv. Um, even though it's a comedy form and I was not good enough at it to do it professionally, it was fascinating because it's so hard. But every commercial audition I would go to, there, there were rarely lines. They're like, okay, you girls are shopping. You've got big plans tonight and go. And you, I mean, you, you just have to be able to like pick it up and go, but um, yes, dialects. Well, I mean, they're just train, 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 do theater, learn. If you love it, don't give up on it. Cause I, you know, I mean, I'm still growing as an actor. There is still so much growth and learning to do and um and i don't think people i mean obviously i'm i'm 52 so voice acting was not a thing i was aware of in 1993 when i was 24 and coming to do it it was a thing i was uh, intimidated to audition for but i just don't think people should limit themselves yeah. learn what you can do what you can make connections instead of being competitors help one another because i don't think i'm you know Monica Rial, Jamie Markey, you know, Lucy Christian, Laura Bailey, Wendy and I, we don't have the same voices. Doesn't mean we're better or worse, but we're going to, you know, whoever's the right person's going to get it. And, um, you know, you help and support one another and make connections and all of that. And voice acting and acting, I mean, they're two sides of the same coin. So obviously, if you invest in the development of skills of one, it's obviously going to help the other. Well, it is. But if you can act and you get in the booth and like, all right, here it is. It's, it's a war with aliens and elves. And, you know, you're the villager A and blah, 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 go. If you don't have acting chops, yeah. how are you going to pull that off with no time to rehearse? And you're looking at the line at the same time that you're watching the what happens on the screen. If you don't have your basic acting chops, you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> so yeah, you got to take the skills necessary to do the job. And there's so many other fun gigs. I, I mean, this has been my best gig and given me, it fulfilled my goal. But I mean, there's a lot of weird, fun options in acting that aren't just dubbing anime yeah it's so it's a wide genre of work yes all right guys well now you have all the skills necessary to be yes. the next cynthia crons so ladies and gentlemen if you have not already message VisionCon directly or put in the live chat your viewers comments and questions as many of you already have now is your last chance to do so because ladies and gentlemen we're in the plug zone okay. cynthia crans now is your opportunity to plug promote advertise whatever verb you want to use Anything you want, the floor is yours, ma'am. 
Well, I would like to thank my booking agent, uh, Wendy Powell, who works for Level Up Entertainment that gets me into the conventions. Um, and, you know, all the studios that I've worked for, um, there's something very exciting that I am allowed to talk about because I did not sign a non-disclosure, but it's taking a long time. There's a gentleman named Corey Davis who has had his own mangas for years called Jet Boy. And he's African-American and the, the hero is a little African-American boy with a jetpack. And the role that I've been cast as, and like he's, he's in meetings with Netflix and HBO Prime and, God. you know, big time people, but he's doing it right. He's got um, Corey Davis, who is Lando from Star Wars' son, Billy B. Williams' son, working on original music. Um, they're trying to do it right, but the part I would play would be an English teacher by day and a, an agent by night, you know, awesome. and, and my dream in the voice acting world would to be doing an original project. And I'm very grateful. He's also cast me in a show called, um, shadow club karma, which has to do with kind of monsters and things. He's got three projects that he is working. And he, like, again, like for the past 15 years, he's been selling mangas at these shows. And now he and his business partner are seriously working with networks to make this happen. They already have their animating team, their music. And so I don't know when this will happen, but that's something I'm really excited about. That's awesome. I'll be excited to check it out. It's going to be great. All right. And so do you do anything as far as autographs are concerned? Because fans have really jumped. I've noticed that since, since the pandemic, okay. since we haven't been able to attend in-person conventions, yes. doing online kind of shindigs like this and then selling autographs online has been a huge success rate. So I, is there anything like that you do? Yes, and I'm. I apologize because I'm so far behind. I I did a shout out on the Dragon um, Dragon Ball Z on the Yu Yu Hakusho, and so many people Facebook messaged me, and I am so far behind. My day job has taken me sixty hours a day. Oof. I had a professional signing of twenty five hundred things. I have conventions. I'm recording. So I'm behind, so I'm embarrassed, but I will get to everyone. But yes, um, and like you said earlier, I probably need a site to make this happen. <laughs> I have Botan <laughs> that I sign. I have some Chi Chi prints. These are my small ones, but I have eight by tens. I have Bellamere. Oh. I have, I don't know if you guys know Full Metal Alchemist. I played a character named Panina, who really? shoots cannons out of her knee. Um, if anyone watched Case Closed or what was the other one called? Case Closed, Detective Conan. I played a little boy named Mitch. Ah. So I, I kind of did a, I kind of asked my fans who they were going to buy. Um, Surara from Rosaria and the Vampire. She's the sexy mom with a lollipop in her mouth. So I had to do all my lines with my pinky in my mouth, which was Oh weird. my God. Um, Fruits Baskets has come back and I play the crazy book editor called Sue. What is her name? Oh my gosh. She went by me, uh, Mitsuru, Mitsuru. That's happening now. Um, I played Baby Broly in Dragon Ball Z. That. And then, um, I don't know if you've seen Pop Team Epic, but I got to play the little blue-headed one. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, but it's hysterical. I've seen a couple episodes. Yeah, it's, it's wild, but it's fun. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Um, there was a sweet show that had to do with LBGQ stuff called Princess Jellyfish. And I played kind of a mom figure called Chieko. So I have about eight or nine different prints that I'm selling and I have two pops. I have Botan and Chi Chi. And so I'm happy to sign anything, anytime. And so for our audio listeners who weren't really able to see those, how much do those usually go for? Um, it's, it, it's 25. Okay. And that usually, unless you're out of 
the country that that's going to include um, shipping as well. Um, I will be at in Austin, the end of May at IkiCon. I will be at uh, ColossalCon the weekend after that, the first weekend in June. I will be at KameaCon mid-June. I have several conventions. I'm so glad conventions are coming back, but I've got to find a mask that I can wear comfortably all day. <laughs> but I'm just, I've got my shots. I'm so excited to interact with people and um, just very grateful that you or anyone else wanted to have anything to do with me tonight. Oh, the pleasure was literally all out, all hours. Thank you. All right, but guys, with that said, we're going right out of the plug zone and going to our final segment, viewers, comments, and questions. So like I okay. usually do, I'm going to try to balance it out as best I can from the messenger and the live chat. So let me bring okay. up the messenger real quick, guys. Okay, so the first one's going to be from Raylene, who tuned in and said, what is your favorite thing about Botan? Oh, she's, well, I like that she's pretty. I know that's vain, but she, she's just so, uh, um, she's whimsical and weird and all her weird gadgets and her different outfits and um she's just a hoot she's a firecracker i love her all right so aaron tuned in and said and aaron you might not know this but aaron is notorious for his fun and engaging questions he said which disney couple do you want chi chi and goku to double date with uh, Ariel and Eric, Belle and Beast, Aladdin and Jasmine, or Hercules and Meg? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. Um, what was the third one? The Aladdin? Aladdin I think yeah. Aladdin, because I think we would freak them out. <laughs> I think it would be a, a, a comedy of errors because <laughs> i mean yeah hercules and meg i mean hercules and goku i mean you know you could <laughs> argue the same character essentially all right so chris tuned in and said how did you get the role for lisa and soul leader i was just told to show up <laughs> <laughs> i i mean it is so weird sometimes they audition you sometimes they don't you show up and like i said you may not know what show what character what the character means in the arc. I did not know that was a big show, um, but I do get requests for autographs for that. I had no idea. Literally the talent coordinator says, can you be at Funimation at two o'clock in Studio B for Mike? And I'm like, okay. He's like, all right, you're playing Lisa, cue the line. <laughs> I wish it was more exciting than that. But I, I think it's funny that, you know, they just call you up and you nail you it. You have no idea. You're just like, okay, I'll be there. All right, so uh, Brandon tuned in and said, what was the most memorable line from DBZ as Chi-Chi? <sighs> One of them, it's not that exciting. I just remember when Go Gohan's not doing his homework and he's trying to sneak off and go fight somewhere and he flies out the window and Chi-Chi's like, how am I supposed to discipline a kid who can fly? <laughs> Which is true. I have a bird. My parakeet's one of the loves of my life, and I cannot, what am I going to do? Hit him? No, I cannot do any, I cannot discipline my parakeet. I cannot control my parakeet. I can't do anything with him. So I can so relate to, what do I do with a kid that can fly? Yeah, and shoot literal laser beams out of his hands. <laughs> All right, so we got time for about two more. So Zachary, not me, tuned in and said, how did you feel looking back now on Shin-Chan as the voice of Mitzi? What about looking back on Mitzi? Oh, how did you feel about looking back now on Shin-Chan as the Oh my God. Mitzi is up there with Botan and Chi-Chi for me. I know her voice is annoying, but she's so weird with her discount meat and her back issues of Sky Mall. I just, one of my favorite lines is she's on her bike, Shin's late for school. She's driving him up the bicycle up a hill and she hears a guy at the grocery store with a bullhorn go, irregular tampons on sale. And she goes, irregular, that's me. <laughs> and then goes down the hill. 
That's why I love Mitzi. She's nuts, and I love her so much. All right, well, we have time for about two more. So the next one's kind of from Charlotte, who said, Hi, Cynthia. I just wanted to know, what characters have you voiced throughout the years that you wish had more of a spotlight? Mrs. Briefs. For sure, Mrs. Briefs. Um, yeah, I wish she was in it more. Um, I hate to say it because it sounds like I'm not in it enough, but I wish Chi Chi was in more. I wish they had her fighting instead of at home nagging and worrying. I really wish that um, Mrs. Grease was more at home nagging and worrying and flirting and being, you know, ditzy. And I wish <laughs> that Chi Chi uh, would be seeing some action for sure. Well, to round us all off, Caroline tuned in and asked, what are some hobbies that you have when you're not working? Well, my whole life, my only sport, I was literally doing it in utero, was riding horses. My pregnant mother rode horses. I was in front of her as an infant. I started showing horses at five. So that's been my sport that I compete in. And I love that because it's not just an animal or a pet. It's a teammate. Um, I love puttering in my... I would say garden, it's not a garden. My yard, making my patio pretty. Um, I do like to cook. I, re, I'm, a, I'm a voracious reader of bios of either famous, like like Anthony Kiedis from Chili Peppers, scar tissue I couldn't get enough of, or, yeah. or a socialite from a lifetime, like, like, I'm, like now I'm reading about Brooke Astor and how her son stole all her money and I'm fascinated because I never knew that life. I love reading. I like working out. Today I got myself a pedicure. I mean, nothing exciting. Just uh, I love to read, ride horses, piddle in my yard, and um, just, you know, chillax. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all the time we got. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 67 of VisionCon Live. Before we wrap things up, though, Cynthia, are there any final thoughts to leave us on? Sage-like wisdom, anything at all? I have a question for you. Are you in Japan? I am not. I am actually in the Midwest, um, Nixon, Missouri, to be specific. Who's, I'm so embarrassed. Who is the guy in charge of the Yu Hakusho page that's in Japan? I, I don't know. Not to put you on the spot, but I was like, I offered to sign some stuff for him. He's like, sorry, I'm in Japan. Um, so what part of the Midwest are you in? I'm in Nixon, Missouri. It's like, right. I love my Midwest cons. I, I love all my cons, but I seem to have done the most in Missouri and, um, you know, like St. Louis, Kansas City. Um, that's interesting. Okay. A sage advice. Just try to do the right things for the right reasons and try to find the good where you can and have faith that things are going to work out the way they're supposed to laugh. If you can't cry, cry when you have to just behave and have fun. <laughs> Genuinely couldn't have said it better myself. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 67 of vision con live. Thank you so much for watching. Thank I, you of course, for having me. Zach Wilson, but much more importantly, this has been my very special guest, Cynthia Kranz. Make sure to check out all the links down in the description box below, guys. And until next time, guys, always remember that life's better when you have friends to share it with.